Welcome to the Behind the Vision podcast. In this episode with Chase, we explore his journey towards becoming a freelancer, his incredible daily coffee consumption, and strategies for obtaining clients without an online presence. Hope you enjoy the show. We'll see. Maybe this is going to be my... uh, This is like your launch pad. My claim to fame right here. Well, this kind of podcast, I felt like, is really just a launch of chase chapel takeover you know kind of taking over the other (laughs) digital marketer chase chapel i feel like this is kind of the launch pad episode for this is uh this that's exactly what i'm on and this is what i'm super eager for because if i see one more chase chapel uh i don't know what it's called chase chapel facebook ads or something or Mm -hmm. what's this company chase chapel marketing or chase chapel media my llc is chase chapel media I feel like his like Chase Chapel marketing. Ooh. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is really just my opportunity to exploit him and talk about all the bad things that he's doing uh, because that man is a fraud. <laughs> yeah, what are, what are like some of the bad things he's done? <sighs> uh, Was he like setting up his ads in like the incorrect manner on like the Facebook side? Just like yeah, actually, what he's doing is. Um, he requires his clients to give them like a card so he can pay for their ads. And uh, he actually just directs all of their income. Mm-hmm. So what he does, he he builds a site redirect. And he has a duplicate mm-hmm. site, mm-hmm. the exact same site. Mm-hmm. And then he sends all the traffic from Facebook directly to his site. Mm-hmm. And then just collects all the income. Wow, that's wild. And like income is just flooding in from like, what are people buying? Well, it's not flooding in because he, he doesn't actually know how to, um, how to push ads. He's a fraud. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm saying, yeah. um, so like, do you think he hires like people to run the ads? Yeah. Yeah. He actually, so actually what happens is people try to go to Chase Chapel Media. Mm-hmm. They try to, they try to work with you and he has, yeah. Yeah. And he has, uh, he has a little bit of corruption going on where instead of sending them to my site, it actually sends them to his. So like, that's why if you've ever tried to go to chase chapel media.com, um, a lot of times it'll say like the URL is broken. Yeah. So then naturally you go to Google and you search chase chapel media Uh and then you land on his site. Oh, so it's really corrupt. Um, is that the same thing with like the Instagram account and Facebook? Is he just kind of like <coughs> you down? Yeah. Is he kind of like making you So yeah, post? he actually, yeah, he's been corrupting my account because he's really, he feels really threatened by me. Oh. Um, understandably so, right? Yeah. So he, I think, you know, he has connections to Instagram or mm-hmm. um, he's got his people. Yeah, but you have connections just as well, really, right? really, fraudulent. Yeah, yeah, of course I do. Um much more significant connections, mm-hmm. but I, I personally don't like to play the game. Mm. So I really like to just like kind of focus in yeah. on what I'm doing. Yeah. That's um, a good plan. Really just like focus on me, right King? Yeah. So. Yeah. What's kind of, what's kind of like your, your plan that just like start, you know, get the domain thing fixed, start like taking over. Yeah. That or, uh. There are resources out there that you can just uh you can pay to actually take somebody down. <laughs> um are you talking about maybe inquiring with like Devin or Ryan about these resources or 
inquiring with Devin I mean, and I've Ryan. heard like Devin and Ryan also provide this kind of like specific service you're looking <clears> for, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something like that. Okay. This is where, this is where like, if we were off the air, I would probably like start going in a little tangent about mm. like something whack. Mm. You'd like share the true story. <laughs> I'd share yeah. the true story. Yeah. If people want the true story, they can find you on social media. But I guess on social media, that domain redirect like brings you to his site. So that's going to be a little tough. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. But like I said, like I kind of just uh, kind of just avoid all the haters and yeah, just kind of do my own thing. Yeah. Um, I am coming for him, though. Okay. Maybe that's what I should do. Screw Chris Lindahl. No offense to Chris Lindahl. I don't I don't mean anything like personally against Chris Lindahl. But Austin and I uh were talking earlier actually about um how I'd love to someday make a billboard of Chris Lindahl. So if you're a Minneapolis listener, Chris Lindahl, everybody knows Chris mm-hmm. Lindahl, right? He's like the man of billboards. Uh guaranteed offer. Like if you haven't seen that, you're not a Minnesotan. There's like he's all over TikTok and stuff too. Like people record planes of him flying a banner that say Chris Lindahl, superb advertising, if I yep. do say so myself. But uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, Chris Lindahl has like all the billboards, like where he's like this, this has guaranteed offer. Mm-hmm. And the natural move, the natural progression for my business is to do what denied approval is done and climb up onto the billboard or like on the billboard stand. Mm-hmm. And hoist over top a photo of my face to cover Chris Lindahl's face. And then there it is. I have my own billboard. Mm. Before I do that, I should probably have some sort of like website or, yeah. uh, well, I mean, or tagline. I mean, would you use or, uh, Chase Chapel's, the other Chase Chapel photo, or would you use your photo? Well, so this is where I'm going with that. So, yeah. Of course, I could do that with Chris Lindahl, but like he's not, uh, necessarily my direct competitor yeah he's um, pretty close though real estate digital marketing does it what's like the design? difference right yeah what's the difference right um at the end of the day it all comes down to branding you mm-hmm. know and it's personal branding and i do it best and chris lindahl does the second best yeah you've been putting out a lot of personal branding stuff recently which i've been really excited about like would you want to like share a little bit about like some of the content and personal brand (laughs) yeah if you've ever visited my instagram you can see a photo um of me from 2011 i think i wasn't even diabetic i wasn't even diabetic didn't even have my ipod well so your instagram is kind of like frozen in pre-chase diabetic time yeah, and I like to leave it that way. Nice. <laughs> that was uh, that was the purest form of chase. Oh, that's deep. That's good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. the The Instagram definitely hasn't seen much traction, nor has my Facebook. Uh, at least on Facebook, you can see the stuff I'm tagged on. Yeah. Assuming you're my friend on Facebook. Um, I feel like you probably like blocked us on there or something, though. I certainly didn't accept your friend request. If oh. That's what you're wondering. Okay. Um, Nothing personal. Yeah. Uh, I just accept everybody's except for yours. But Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah. And then you can visit my LinkedIn. You can see like my, uh, the jobs that I was working from like mm-hmm. 2016 mm-hmm. 
Um, and all your other like past, because I mean, you're putting out like daily content, which is pretty wild. Like the tips and tricks with yeah, yeah, yeah. graphic design. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm really kind of like the the front figure of what a graphic designer should do in self promotion, and like mm-hmm. I'm I'm really leading the industry with uh, ways of promoting myself and my work, mm-hmm. and really just like showcasing the things I'm working on, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I hope uh, I hope anybody who hears this. Uh, has seen my Instagram before and knows that this isn't. Uh... Yeah, I mean, people probably. I mean, if they're listening, they've probably <laughs> seen your Instagram before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you post, I, a, you post a lot of content. A lot of that gets shared around. Um, are you posting enough content? You should be posting <laughs> like seven times a day. <laughs> yeah. So Gary was actually talking to him about me when he says like you should be posting seven times a day. He oh, should just say. Clip? Yeah, he should just be saying like. Uh, you should be posting like as much as Chase. <laughs> and like not that. That's what he actually meant. And not the Chase that we were talking about prior. Like, Oh, you. I'm Chase number two. The other oh, guy's wait. Chase number one. I you're Chase number one. The other guy's Chase number two. Yeah. I mean, most people would assume that. But like mm. sometimes I like to be the underdog. Mm. So. Because you know, like he's, there's some bad things happening and you're kind of just like ready ready to take over i'm always ready yeah i'm always ready like waiting for your time as soon as as soon as the uh, fraud is like squandered Mm -hmm. like then it's just then it's me yeah i'm the lone chase chapel at that point yeah how wild would it be if chase chapel chase chappelle i think is actually probably his name how wild would it be if you saw this that'd be um that'd be pretty cool I'd tell them to remove the domain restrict redirect restriction on your website. And mm-hmm. I think that would at least like 10 X your business. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. 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 Because you know, I have the capacity to 10 X. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the infrastructure built, you have the team, um, you have the resources, yeah. you have the design software AI yeah, that yeah, you've yeah. been working on. I mean, that, that must be why you go to spy house. Yeah. You know, it's a secret project. You just haven't told any of us about like, I'm starting to connect the dots and it's starting to make sense that you've been, I feel like you've been working on some design AI software. That's Spy House. Dropping soon from your local I to, I talk, Spy House Northeast. <laughs> I talked to Tyler and he said you were, you guys were working on something. We're something always secret. cooking something up, dude. Yeah. Um, I have like kind of a whole secret life that you don't even know about. Mm-hmm. And once it, you know, once it catches wind, Mm-hmm. It's game over for everybody out there. Mm-hmm. We are we we are kind of in some way brothers though. I was looking on ancestry.com last night and I see our family trees crossed a little bit while back and I mean just looking at the styles of clothes we wore today for the people that are on video like definitely see some some uh resemblance so i could i could feel when you're kind of talking about like the design stuff like yeah. got that connection with your secret project. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, a couple things. We do really have a mental telepathy. Yeah. That's why, like, when I walked up the stairs this morning, you and I were wearing the same thing. Yeah. Actually, I, yep. I knew you were going to wear it. You knew I was going to wear mm-hmm. it. it and that day. makes us feel like like brothers. And mm-hmm. actually, like, legitimately, we have gotten that 
people think we're brothers like a number of times. Yeah. Yeah. People think Devin and I are brothers though too, which is, uh, that's concerning. Kind of not close, but that's, that's concerning. Yeah. You don't want to be. My dad thought you, my like dad, dad thought you were, you were, your dad you thought I was I. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the first time that I ever met your father, he confused us. Nice. <laughs> So maybe we could like sub out one day, like you go home for the weekend, but I actually go home to your home. You go home to my, to my house. Yeah. I'm yeah. I, uh, I'd be a little bit nervous that my family would like you better. Um, you're probably a little bit less rowdy than I am. Nice. My, my family would um, like your rowdiness as well. It'd be a good change really? up. Yeah. So maybe that's kind of like a fair swap. Yeah. Maybe. Long, yeah. Maybe we were just confused at birth. Could have like, been. Maybe I am a Haugen. Yeah. And you're a chapel. Yeah. I only have one redhead in the family, though. Yeah? Yeah. It's my cousin. Actually, you have that's two sisters who are redheads. Oh, I do? Yeah. Oh, that's you're wild. You're a chapel, remember? We yeah, talked about that's this. That's right. That's right. Um, that's right. What a tangent. Yeah. Well, that was... Kept that going for about 16 minutes. That was like a solid intro, though. 16 minutes of us just talking about like such random well, stuff. Yeah, we're just kind of getting into like your background a little bit. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> getting breaking out the family tree. Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you dove into your family tree at all? Like Ancestry.com or anything? Uh, no, but Adeline has. Mm. <clears throat> um, I... Th- she and like a number of her family members are like interested in family tree type stuff. Not? It's not that I'm not interested in it. I'm just like, actually, yeah, it's essentially that I'm not super interested in it. <laughs> um, it's not that I like wouldn't like to hear about it. It's like mm-hmm. it's interesting when Adeline talks about it. Because um, you guys are like related just from. No, but actually, <laughs> but actually Adeline. Okay, I have a couple ancestry stories, not about me personally, so relax uh and you and i are not blood brothers as far as i know um could be though can't definitely rule that out but a couple stories um is this something i should share publicly it's not it's not really that bad um so adeline's sister she was looking into their ancestry mm-hmm. and then her husband's as well and they found out they're like very very distant cousins oh jeez. So, uh, it makes it a little, a little weird, but you know, you're, you're distant, just to know. Yeah. It's not, it's not actually weird because it's like if you're 13th cousin, you know, you're separated by like so many family members mm-hmm. and so much time that it's not actually weird at all. Yeah. But imagine you had like done that and found out something worse. Like imagine like you did that and you like found out that your wife is like your Second, like third cousin or something. Very like closer cousin. Yeah. Um, that would be goofy. Mm-hmm. That's not. It, that's not why I'm personally not super interested in my ancestry. I'm really not concerned that I'm an inbred. Um, but that could happen. Yeah. I was talking. Uh, I was working a job a couple weeks back, and I was talking to a woman on set. She was like the makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that. I think it was either her or her husband. I can't remember exactly. Um, But essentially she said that 
she found, I think it was her. I think she found out that her dad, who was like in the Navy for an extended period of time, apparently he, she had a lot more siblings than she knew about. Mm. Um, apparently her dad was a little bit unfaithful mm. or very unfaithful to the point where he had a lot of kids through like an extended period of time when he was, I think in the Navy and like either abroad or like at training or something. Mm-hmm. That's, that's wild. That's tough. Yeah. I'd love to look back at my ancestry to see if I'm related to anyone that's like popular in like the old history, basically. Yeah. Like if you're related to like, I don't know, someone just in the past. Yeah. Really I feel cool. like, or just like trying to connect the dots all the way back to like where your family originated kind of, and then like what they were doing. Cause sometimes it's interesting cause people will almost end up doing the same thing that they're currently doing as like what their like early ancestors were doing that they know of. So like your ancestors could be doing design. Like you could be related to Da Vinci. Yeah. They were software. They were software engineers. Yeah. uh, No, Um, (laughs) I don't think they were. Um, I think, I think my distant relatives would look at me and be like, this really like, this is our blood. Like, my ancestors were probably, like, farmers or something or tradesmen doing stuff that's, like, super productive. <laughs> that's right. They are artists. Yes. I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah, they're artists for sure. Um, and then they look at me and they're like, oh, he he sits behind his computer all day. Like, that's, wow. Look, look how far we've come, guys. <laughs> um, that's funny just to think of, like, our ancestors, how they're, like lived way harder lives than like we we are right now and we're just like in this house just chilling go down in the basement hop on our laptops like do our work yeah and then i like <laughs> sit behind my desk and i'm like my day is ruined because like i had gone to chick-fil-a that morning and they like didn't serve me the right coffee or something yeah. and i'm like oh, life sucks life sucks because i literally just got in my vehicle and like drove <laughs> To a place that will prepare food for me and it mm-hmm. probably I mean I don't know what the food that my ancestors ate tasted like but it probably didn't have as much seed oils <laughs> nice, as dude. my food and like probably didn't taste nearly as good seed oils are okay though aren't they yeah so <clears throat> well that's the thing so Austin and I are big seed oil advocates it's basically all we eat every, yeah. every once in a while I see Austin in the morning um, and he is I'm like sneaking it. I'm kind of like sneaking little tablespoons of like. Yeah. And I didn't want to have to out you about this, but I see Austin in the morning with like a can of Pam and he's Mm. kind of like, I I always thought at first I thought he was huffing Mm. and he's like, Austin, do I do that at my room at night though? When you guys aren't like watching. That's when you're huffing or that's when you're consuming that. Okay. That's when you're huffing. Yeah. Yeah, And I was like, Austin, do we need to have an intervention? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, probably like I got Mm -hmm. an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and I said, like, no, it's all, it's really okay. So, um, so Austin and I went to, um, like an AA session, mm-hmm. uh, not Alcoholics Anonymous, but like AA Addicts Anonymous. Yeah, there's some like big oil individuals there as well. Yeah. And so, so we got there and, uh, and I was like, Austin, do you want to introduce yourself? He's like, hi, um, 
I'm Austin and I am addicted to seed oils. <laughs> this whole time I thought he was huffing. It was really just the seed oils. It's the pan, the canola oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got me good. Wow. Yeah, yeah, the ancestors would not be too happy no, about that. Yeah, no, definitely not. So so kind of the, the joke behind this is Austin always gives me a hard time for eating seed oils. <laughs> I don't know why you just need to... I don't, I don't really... I think you're really just looking out for the best it's, for me. You're looking out. Uh, um, you're looking out for me. Care about you guys. Yep. Can I keep you guys healthy? Um, yeah. Every time I I try to make like a healthy, hearty breakfast, I'm like, I'll have some eggs. I'll have a piece of toast. Yeah, yeah. And uh, first thing that happens, I spray the pan with a little bit of canola oil, or I don't even know nice. what it is I Do use. You, I think is it's that canola your preference. Oil. Canola. And next thing immediately you're around the corner yeah i'm kind of like watching you guys cook <laughs> what is that <laughs> i'm like i should actually take it and i boot it out the back door yeah and then i make you sit in the ice tub for like five minutes yep just to like help clean it out just to like the pay, body pay for what i did wrong mm-hmm. yeah yeah they uh they sell uh sell good stuff at like johnson and johnson um Seed oils or anything or any seed oils yeah. at J and J. Yeah, We're gonna, uh, we have to we have to get that backstory. Yeah, certainly. Um, no seed oils. No, uh, but they do sell um, the vaccine subscription. Mm. Uh, really cool concept that I was cooking up when I was an intern there at in 2019. Yeah. Uh, so just before COVID came out, I was actually ahead of the curve. I was just like creating vaccines in advance. Yeah. Really wanted to capitalize on that early. Um, yeah, that's good. You, uh, yeah, you ended up you're doing pretty well um, with that, considering yeah. your current life situation. Yeah, no, uh, no, certainly. Um, well with uh, the vaccine that I created or well with Johnson & Johnson or both? Both. Both, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, I didn't, I didn't work on the vaccine. Uh, <laughs> I did work at Johnson Johnson for a short stint. Um, in 2019 yes Uh, that was out of college right yeah so i was still i was actually still in university so um oh did you intern there yeah i did uh it's it's called a co-op um actually probably with the exception of my study abroad it was probably the best thing i did in college at least certainly the most beneficial i would say um i i went to okay I'll just, I'll take a couple steps back and give you like a short backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the University of Minnesota. Um, actually, I'll take another step back. I grew up in Rosemount, which is a half hour south of here, um, half hour south of Minneapolis. And um, I applied to like 13 schools mm-hmm. when I was like looking for colleges. And my 13th choice school was the University of Minnesota. Nice. Um, I actually, <clears throat> I, really, oh, I awesome. really only applied there because um, I got an email from them basically saying like, hey, Chase, our application is free today, but it like closes today or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like sitting at my grandma's and I was like bored. And I was like, you know, whatever, I'll just shoot in an application. Mm-hmm. So like I went through, it was a super easy application. Like, I don't even think I like wrote a cover letter, you know, some of them, some of the college applications, if I remember correctly, would have you like 
write something or like do something, I think the use is pretty, pretty simple. Like tell us what you've done. What's your GPA? What are your test scores? And yeah, what was your GPA? I think that was basically it. Uh, I had a pretty good GPA in high school. Mm. Um, I think I was at like a, I was at like a three, eight or something. I was like 40th. I think I was like 40th in my class of, um, in my class of like 600. Let's go. Um, I had one, I think one band credit. Oh, that that like kind of significantly dropped. No, significantly dropped my GPA. Um, we had a, we had a band concert and I was a percussionist. It was my senior year and like, I love to goof around a band. Mm-hmm. Like that was because at Rosemount, Rosemount high school is, takes band very seriously, mm-hmm. very seriously. And like, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool program. Um, I think a lot of the students maybe wouldn't necessarily consider the band people cool, <laughs> uh, as per most schools probably, but I was mm-hmm. a band kid and, uh, we had a band concert and I was like, I was on crash symbols in the back. I'd always try to like take the hokey doke, like triangle jobs or like the crash symbols or like bass drum. And I would always play obnoxiously. Like <laughs> my band like hated me because of it. And I was in like a good band. Um, you know, there's like tiers to band based off of how good you are. And I was mm-hmm. in a good band and, um, but I was like the one person who didn't take it seriously. <laughs> and so we had this one concert and I remember I played the crash symbols. So like, it's, you know, it was like the kind of song that was like kind of like popping and then it like would get quiet mm-hmm. and like, you know, day crescendo. And then everyone's like playing super quietly. And then it would like, kind of like elevate a little bit and then it would be super quietly. And so I'm on crash symbols and I'm supposed to be like, Chh, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's like super quiet. I'm like looking out at all these people watching us. I'm like, this is boring as heck, you know, like I'm going to spice this up a little bit. I'm like, and I start just like freaking destroying these crash symbols that I'm holding in my hands. And everyone that like in the, in my band directors, you know, he's doing this thing. He's like, he's like, he's like looking at me. And he's like, you know, like cut it out. And I'm like, back there, like yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, when I tell you he got so mad. Was this at a concert? Yeah, so at a concert. Oh. Um, yeah, he, I think he wasn't pleased about it. I remember having like an intervention with him and I think one of the other band directors after that. Um, and I think my grade suffered a little bit because of it. Mm. But but regardless, all that to say, like I graduated with uh, nice. with a, a pretty... With a pretty decent GPA. Um, that was just kind of like a, the best story out of college or high school. Man, when I one. tell you high school is a movie, bro. <laughs> was a movie. Yeah, so if you're wondering how exciting my high school experience is, there's a good story to tell the tale. Mm. No. Um, yeah, regardless, uh, high school. So I I graduated with like a 3.8. Um, but when I was applying to colleges, it was even higher than that. Um, and like my test, my test scores were good. So I applied to a bunch of schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I applied to the U only because it was free and I got an email and I was bored. Yeah. Dude, how um, did you get, cause you applied to like 13, 12 other schools other than U of M with that good of like grade scores, mm-hmm. like where you applying to like Yale and Harvard, like what's like the top school you applied for, for college? Um, 
I mean, I didn't apply anywhere that good. So I I would say like the best school that I applied to in terms of like um uh like how prestigious it was was probably University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Mm. Um they have a very strong business school. Um that was probably like the most prestigious, but I applied to like a bunch of schools and I basically was applying to places that I wanted to go. Like I didn't super care about how prestigious I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I applied to like a bunch of schools in the Carolinas and I think like one in California, Ohio state, mm-hmm. um, just a bunch of out of, out of state schools because I thought I wanted to go out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually fortunate to have been accepted to all the schools I applied to. So it wasn't oh. like, it wasn't like I didn't get accepted anywhere, yeah. but then I got my financial aid packages back. And like for me to go to any of these, like out of state public schools was going to cost mm-hmm. me like $50,000 a year. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was like, kind of brought me back to reality. Like, Holy smokes, like college actually costs money and you can't just go some like anywhere you want just mm-hmm. because it seems like it would be fun to go there. Right. Um, and at the end of the day, like, so I applied to the university of Minnesota Carlson school of management. So the business school with the U, um, I had no idea what I wanted to study, like no idea when I was applying though. Um, you know, it gives you like options. Do you want to apply to college of liberal arts? Do you want to apply to college college of science and engineering? Do you want to apply to, um, you know, college of, whatever there's like a there's a number of schools at the u right um and i didn't know what i wanted to study like actually realistically like the only reason that i applied to carlson school of management was because uh i like looked up like rankings of the best schools within the university of minnesota and um like the top one was either carlson or college of science and engineering and i was like well, I don't want to be an engineer. Like, so, or at least I thought I didn't want to be an engineer. So I was like, okay, like business school it is. Like, so I applied there, but when I applied, I didn't think I was going to go there. Right. Mm. Um, and then, uh, got all my financial aid packages back and I was like, okay, it's going to cost me like, I think it ended up being like 10 or $11,000, something like that for me to go to the university of Minnesota after my like financial, um, or after like my scholarships, I had a couple like academic scholarships and one from my mom's work. And so like it was that or I pay like $50,000 and I go to a different school. Yeah. Which is like bizarre, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and for realistically for like a similar level of education. Mm-hmm. So I ended up at the U um, and I showed up week one and it was like I was in business school and I, I didn't even know what that meant. I like I think back to it sometimes about like how little I actually knew. Um, and I feel like, I feel like adults have like a tainted understanding of what high schoolers know about the work environment. Cause like realistically when you were 16, 17 years old is probably when you were applying to college, maybe 18. Mm -hmm. Like what do you know about what you want to do for the rest of your life? You don't know anything. You don't know anything. Yeah. And your, your actual understanding of what you can do for work is so small, especially if you grow up in like smaller city, even when you go to 
even some of the bigger city schools, like your understanding of what's out there yeah. is so small. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and like you drive by and you see all these like, you know, if you live in the city or like even where you're from, like you drive past a ton of businesses, but you don't know what any of them do mm-hmm. or what any individual within that business does. And I remember like uh, when I was in like middle school, they would, or maybe it was high school. I remember it being middle school. They'd give us like a test that you take and it would like tell you what career path you should yeah. go down. Yeah. And I took that test. And when I was in middle school, I thought I wanted to be a doctor, <laughs> you know? So like I took that test and it was so like tainted because it would basically be like, um, do you like working with people? And I'm like, yes. And it's like, do you like helping others? I'm like, yes. And it's like, like, how do you feel about going to the hospital? I'm like, I love it. You know? And it's like, not really. You love going to the hospital? Well, the, the point I'm getting at is like, I would skew my answers to fit what I thought I wanted to do. Uh-huh. I thought I wanted to be a doctor mm-hmm. because like, I don't know, that's a reputable job. Make good money. You make good money. Yeah. So like not going to make that money elsewhere. That's what you think at least. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even know that there's other ways to make money. Yeah. So like when I'm in middle school, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, oh yeah, well, of course, like, I don't know. I want to be, want to be a doctor. Like, um, and then, and then I think I got into like high school and, um, I always like thought I was, I don't know. I, I, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Cause then like by the time I got to high school, reality started to set in and I was like, do I really want to go to school for however long it takes to be a doctor? Like, is a doctor really what I want to be? I'm like, I don't know. So then what are the other options? Like an engineer? Well, I don't even know what an engineer does, but I know they look at numbers or something. Mm-hmm. Like that's literally what I thought. I took calculus in high school and like fell asleep in class every day. So it's like, maybe, maybe this is not for me. Yeah. I don't know. So then like, what, what am I going to study? Like art history? Like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm not very good at drawing so then like what's you know what's left like I, I didn't even know mm-hmm. so I applied to business school but I didn't even know what business was and showed up for week one welcome week and like started business classes and had no idea what I was doing mm-hmm. and then they're like talking about, like I to the point I literally did not understand what business meant like, I was like, oh, okay, so business means you sell things. <laughs> okay, so, like, basically that's anybody who doesn't want to be a doctor mm-hmm. and, like, doesn't want to be a journalist, just, like, studies business. So that's what I did. And um, and then <laughs> even from there, when I got into business school, like, yeah, we took, like, some gen ed stuff and, like, it all sucked. I didn't really like any of it, of course. Like, it's... Well, actually, like we took like gen eds as in like you'd have to take uh, uh, classes that have to do with everything under the sun. Like, you know how it is. Yeah. Gen eds. I don't need to explain it. Um, Take those general classes. Took those general classes. And then like we started our actual business classes like my junior year is when we like got deep into business courses. Uh And then you take like, you know, your accounting and your finance and your supply chain and your marketing. Like that's, yeah. it's, it's called the core idea. I think the accounting class is definitely valuable. I'd say it's probably like one of the most valuable. 
Yeah. Business classes. Yeah, in hindsight. Yeah. But when I was there, I took accounting and I just hated it. <laughs> like most people did. Yeah. You know? Um, and so because of that, I was like, well, I don't want to do accounting. So why do I need to take this? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I had no intentions. Like I thought that it was my goal when I was in college. Like I want to find an internship at a good company so that I can go work for a fortune 500 and do like marketing. Is your goal? Yeah, that was my goal. And I started mm-hmm. marketing because I didn't like accounting. I didn't like finance and I thought supply chain was boring. So like naturally the, there, you know, there's a number of majors in the business school, but it's like the primary ones are those or like MIS. And I, I mean, I sucked at coding. Like I, I had to take a couple like coding classes in college and I took one in high school and didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then like naturally I was like, oh, okay, well marketing, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what it is. Um, and I think there was a part of me when I was like, uh, an undergraduate in college that I wanted to do something creative or like what I thought was creative. So like, I thought I wanted to do like design or advertising or like something media related. Um, and then I, I think that's also a big reason that I decided to like study marketing. Um, but then I started taking like my super heavy, um, uh, marketing courses and I super quickly realized that it had nothing to do with like what I thought to be creativity meant. Mm. Um, like what were the classes like? Uh, did you take marketing classes Mm -hmm. in college? No, I was only, I went to college for like a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, (laughs) it sounds bad. I, I, I don't remember much of them, um, which goes to show how much I learned in college. Um, but a lot of them had to do with like, so we would take like intro to marketing and it's like, okay, intro to marketing, like what is like, let's build, um, I don't remember exactly what they're called, but like something like let's build customer profiles. So like, Mm. what does your ideal customer look like? And then you make like lookalike customers and would do stuff like that. And then it's like, well, how do you like sell to those customers? Like it, like super, super theoretical was Mm. like the intro to marketing. Mm -hmm. And then after that, then you start choosing um, like marketing classes to take. And so there's, there's like kind of like, there'd be like a branding um, marketing course, but it's not like teaching you like technical skills of like learning how to understand brand. It's like teaching you theory And so that's the thing that I most disliked about my education at the U was that like with marketing specifically, it's all super theoretical. So it's like in theory, how do you sell this product to somebody? Mm. Um, And you do like case studies and you'd read stuff like that. But it was like, I don't know. I always felt like I walked out of college without having any like technical skills with the exception of um, maybe some like analytic stuff. So I studied marketing with an emphasis 
in business analytics, I think, or marketing analytics or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, so yeah, I vaguely learned how to use some like softwares like R studio, um, or SQL, which not sufficient to the point where I could do anything with them. Mm. Did Um, you learn the Adobe products at all? No, no, not at all. Wow. And like, that's something that, um, me as a marketing major, like that's what I thought I was going to learn. I was so wrong. I was like so wrong and misunderstood. Um, and I think it's because there's like, you know, potentially not enough education for high schoolers, um, in regard to like teaching high schoolers, what a good path for them is. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I, I certainly, when I was in high school, I certainly thought there was no other option than college. Um, and like I've said before that I regret going to college. That's actually not true. Um, I'm actually very glad I went to college and I think it's because I went to college that I started to like figure out what I like and what I dislike what I'm good at, what I'm not good at and like what opportunities actually exist. Um, because like I said, like when I started college, I didn't really know what I wanted to study, but then I started studying business and then like, I thought I wanted to do corporate marketing and then I did corporate marketing and I didn't realize I, and then I then realized that I didn't love corporate marketing, but like it took doing those things to actually understand that I maybe do or do not want to do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like college for me, looking back on it, like, yeah, I spent a lot of money, um, for an education that I feel like I learned a lot of theory, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's like my biggest gripe about it, but it was also, it took me going to college to get started doing something. It took me going to college to get my first internship. It took my first internship for me to get my second internship. It took my second internship for me to get another job and it's et cetera, et cetera. And then ultimately like it took all those things to get me to Johnson Johnson, uh, which we <laughs> no, talked about. A, what an ins- like the final boss. What an insane tangent Johnson though. Johnson. <laughs> like, remember when you're like, tell me about Johnson Johnson. And it was like, okay, just let me tell you everything about me. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good lead, good lead way. Yeah. Big, huge segue. Um, okay. but yeah, it took, and so then I ended up at Johnson Johnson and I was an analyst there. Um, I don't pride myself at like how well my work there went. Um, I was a extremely, I would say underperforming. I I wasn't necessarily underperforming. I was a fine employee. Um, I could have done a lot more, but I was so deathly uninterested in corporate analytics. Like, What were you doing? What was was like a day like for you? Uh, Because you're an intern, right? Yeah, I was... I was, so it's kind of like a hybrid because, Mm -hmm. so it's called a, I was technically a customer development co-op. So I worked at Johnson Johnson and we sold, um, Johnson and Johnson products to target. Uh, we're, I was in the consumer division. Like that's why our office is here, um, was because we were selling to target. So corporate J and J is in New Jersey. Mm. Um, and then I was in like a sub office in Minneapolis and, Essentially what the program was, was it was like a a six month thing where you're there long enough where you're not, um, you're not just an intern because like I did other internships and at the end of your three months as an intern, like 
you're finally starting to kind of get a groove of things and feel like finally you can actually contribute something to the business, but then you're done. It's like over. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did a six month program, which I ended up being there longer for like seven months or maybe a little north of seven months. Um, but it's like long enough where you can be there. You can go through the learning curve, those first three months of like super intensive learning. Like I think every business basically says it takes the first like 90 days or something, or maybe 99 days for you to like train someone in and make them actually valuable. And then after those 99 days, that's when they can start to like execute. Like that's like an average number for most jobs. Um, and I would say that's the case too with my job at Johnson and Johnson. Um, like it took a little while for me to like get my feet wet. I was a corporate analyst. Um, I spent a ton of time in like Excel especially. Um, and then some other tools that I got into. Um, but like, actually, when I started my job there, I hardly knew anything about Excel. It wasn't until a year, the year after I graduated that the University of Minnesota started requiring Carlson students to take an Excel class. Nice. Um, but, you know, naturally, when I interviewed for the position, like, yeah, I know Excel. <laughs> I know everything about it. Like, ask me anything. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I guess day to day, I would get in the morning, nine o'clock, nine o'clock, nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, how many cups of coffee would you be down about that time? <laughs> so actually, <laughs> it's funny, funny. Yeah. ask that. I actually didn't drink as much coffee when I was at Johnson Johnson. I was probably like a uh, seven cups a day or. Okay. Um, it was my first internship. I worked at a software company called champ and I drank so much coffee. It was literally silly. I drink like 20 cups a day. Yeah, that's um, wild. I basically went through all of college drinking like a ridiculous amount of coffee. This is actually good advice for anybody who overconsumes coffee. The like the one thing that I can advise you. So, when I was at Jamf, I had a manager, his name was Scott. Shout out Scott. He's like the best guy ever. He was the best manager ever. I'm super super grateful for Scott Reed. Mm-hmm. Um but he, uh, so I would drink coffee all day, every day. And near the end of my internship there, he's like, I was like feeling like sluggish. I had been like all summer realistically. I was also working a ton cause I had that full-time internship and I was also working a full-time part-time job. Um, so like I was pretty worn out and I still had a social life and it was summer and I was trying to enjoy stuff. But so I was just putting back coffee like crazy. And, uh, near the end of my internship, Scott was like, I told Scott, I was like, you know, dude, I feel tired. (laughs) Like, I don't know what it is. I'm just like run down. And like, I feel like I just need a little break to like catch up. And he's like, Mm -hmm. he's like, Oh, like, are you dehydrated? And I was like, no, dude, come on. And he's like, okay, well you've been working here for three months and I've never seen you without a coffee mug in your hand full of coffee. And I was like, okay, dude, like, you know whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like, no, seriously, like for every cup of coffee you drink, drink two cups of water, which I now know is like a very normal thing for people to say. But to me, it was like groundbreaking, like two cups of water per one cup of coffee. No way, man. And so I started doing it and I felt like better instantly. Mm -hmm. And actually at that point I had an eye twitch that had been ongoing for like a significant amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had seen, 
I saw an, uh, an eye doctor shortly after that. And I was like, yeah, I had an eye twitch, but like it went away. And, uh, my eye doctor was basically like, oh yeah, like that can be caused by like lack of sleep, check the box, um, too much caffeine and not enough water. Mm-hmm. Um, checked all the boxes. Checked all the boxes. And so then Scott told me that I did that. I felt better like within days, within days I was drinking a lot more water and a lot less coffee. And all of a sudden, like, then you can start drinking coffee. And like, even to this day, I, I still drink a decent amount of coffee. Like I, I drink a good amount. I drink mm-hmm. like pre-workout too. Um, but I, I, even so like the coffee still has an effect on me now. Whereas like back then it felt like it had an opposite effect. Felt like the more coffee I drank, the more tired I was getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it feels like, yeah, I'm not like, I don't drink a cup of coffee and I'm not like buzzing, you know, mm-hmm. but I am, I think it does help make me feel like more alert. Yeah. Like wake up a little bit. Yeah. I, I just know. wanted to ask you that because I thought that was just so interesting. Yeah. I've never even gotten close to like 20 cups. So that's, that's wild. Yeah. I don't suggest it. Yeah. Um. So like going, going back to when you get into the office. Because you do say you get into the office at J&J at like 9. Yeah, around 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm chronically late to everything. So maybe something more like Mm 9.10. And at 9.10, I was like heading up the elevator, kind of hoping that none of my coworkers are in the elevator. Mm -hmm. And then I'd like scan my card and I'd like open the door. And I'd like look around and see if the hallway was clear. And then I like bolt in and try to like sit down at my cube without anybody noticing that I was 10 minutes late. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'd get in nine, nine o'clock, nine, 10. Um, and there was a lot of, uh, meetings that I would be involved in that I didn't contribute anything to. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because at the end of the day, like I was an in, I was an intern. So I mm-hmm. think that was like their way of exposing me to the business and like allowing me to like feel involved, even though I was an intern, I didn't know anything. Like I wasn't really a super key contributor. Um, but then when I wasn't in meetings, I was looking at spreadsheets. Mm. Um, so basically it was like my job to basically, um, like I guess I had a couple different responsibilities, but it was a lot of like reporting. So reporting like how well, um, Johnson Johnson products. So like Neosporon, Band-Aids, um, Zyrtec, uh, there's a ton of them. There's like 200 products. A lot of them are subcategories of Band-Aid, Neosporon, you know, there's a 12 pack of Zyrtec. There's a 24 pack. Um, but there, there is a lot of products. Um, lactate, pepsid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so it was like my job to like look and evaluate and see like how well these items were selling in target. Um, and then like pull analytics based off that. That was like my reporting duty. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then I had other, uh, other like side quests basically that I'd work on as well. Um, so an example of that, like, uh, Walmart, was dropping their prices of um, J&J products in their stores. And so it was kind of like my job to build out a report that would essentially look at how Walmart's sales were comparing to J&J sales. Like, 
were they selling more uh enough to make it worth like cutting the margins a little bit like what was happening and mm-hmm. like what was happening to target sales this was happening and yeah so like every day i looked at like numbers mm-hmm. um and what that really consisted of and and don't tell anybody who works in my J office but like i i dinked around a lot a lot um and without going into it too much like yeah because of it, it probably wasn't like the best employee and it's not because i didn't like the team i really liked the team i actually think that jane jay was a really great company to work for and i'm like super grateful um that i had the opportunity to like work for them for as long mm-hmm. as i did yeah um so the way it, it, it came to a close was i went out to like interviews um out in new jersey and we went through like, it was like a weekend of interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, they put us up in hotels and it was actually pretty fun. It's a bunch of like young kids there interviewing for jobs. And um, and I went out there and the interviews went pretty well. Um, I knew in the back of my head that I wasn't going to take the job. Like I just knew it wasn't for me. Like I couldn't, couldn't do it. I was a, the job that I was in the running for was uh like a three-year extension into um like transitioning into like full-time jj mm-hmm. um would you have been doing the same work yeah very similar work uh, um they obviously expect more of you because you're, you're better full-time. at what you did at that point you're full-time yeah. like you know um but it's the same kind of work and like for me to i don't want to say fake it but like for me to go through the motions for three more years in a job that was not for me mm-hmm. was like, I I wanted to want it. <laughs> like I, I really did because th- keep in mind this whole time that I was in college, like that was kind of like what I was working towards as working towards working for a large fortune 500 that had great benefits and like a lot of opportunity and, I thought that's what I wanted and J&J seemed like a good, a good company to do it for. And it was like, then I got there and I was like, man, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah. So like after that interview process with them, were you just like, just, would you just fly home and you just didn't answer any more emails from them? You're like, peace out guys. Mm. Funny you asked that. This is kind of tough. Um, so I get back and because uh, I guess I guess the important thing with what you're sharing now is like you worked really hard to create this opportunity for yourself with working for like a Fortune 500 company, um, getting an internship with them, then you eventually almost getting a job with them, and then the decision you make after that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, no, it's I think. A couple of things here. Uh, the first thing that I think uh, I mentioned briefly earlier, uh, but it's something I really stand behind. Like through all of this, like ultimately, I'm so glad that the opportunity arose, um, and I think it's super important for me to acknowledge that through everything that we do, I I really do think that like without sounding cliche and saying like everything happens for a reason, because that almost sounds like spiritual, which, you know, is, is a totally different thing, although potentially still relevant. Like, I think that 
at the end of the day, everything that we do helps lead to future decisions or like everything that we experience helps us learn something about ourselves or about something else that leads to future opportunities or like a lot of times it just takes taking that first step to really get there. And for me, that first step was college and the next step was internship. And the next step after that was marketing degree. And the next step after that was uh, corporate internship. And the next step after that was realizing that I didn't like my corporate internship. And the next step after that was me ultimately turning down what I thought was my dream job. Maybe not my dream job, but like my realistic out of college dream job. Um, so basically what happened, I got back from Johnson and Johnson and, uh, or I mean, I got back from New Jersey, Johnson, Johnson interviews, and they offered me the position. Mm-hmm. Um, and dude, this is, this is so tough because, uh, so at that time, um, a lot of my coworkers liked me, um, at least I think, and based off the way they reacted to me getting a job offer, like, I think they liked me. Um, <laughs> so like they offered me the job and, uh, it was basically my, I guess my manager's manager. He like called me and he's like, Hey Jace, like wanted to let you know. Um, or maybe it was the hiring managers. Anyways, somebody like let me know that I got the job. And then I talked to my manager's manager and he's like, Hey dude, like congrats. Like we're super excited for you. Um, yeah, I do. And then everybody in the office, which we didn't have a huge office because it was just a small team working directly with target, but everybody was like stopping by my cube and like congratulating me and like asking me stuff like, so like, where do you want to work next? As in like, uh, basically if you take the position with J and J, you have to move, right? Because Mm. there's offices all around the United States. So I would had to move to Los Angeles or, or like, um, New Jersey or I think New York, Philadelphia, um, um, Arkansas, Walmart headquarters. Like, and so people are asking me like, where are you going to go? Like, you know, whatever. And I'm sitting here and I know in the back of my head, like, I, I can't take this job. I can't do it. And, you know, people are bringing like bagels and like cake and like somebody took me out to Manny's Steakhouse to like celebrate. Right. Okay. Yeah. And like, I didn't, I didn't want to like keep milking it. Like I really did not want to, but I also didn't know how to tell people that I wasn't, that I probably wasn't going to take the, mm-hmm. take the job. Cause you're still working there. Yeah. I was still working yeah. there. Um, and so it was like a really awkward time. Um, and nothing against them. They're all lovely people. And it was super nice of them to do that. Mm-hmm. But like, I just didn't have the heart to tell them. <laughs> um, and so I like milked it for so long and I got so many like free lunches and breakfasts and desserts <laughs> and like all this stuff. And then eventually I broke the news and then yeah. it was even worse because then I'd been like milking it for oh. like the last few weeks of my internship. And then I was like, yeah, I get, you know, here's the deal. I actually can't take the job. Like it's just, I have other, t- I, you know, I basically told him like, I have other opportunities arising, which at the time I, I kind of did have like discussions of other jobs, but they were all other jobs that I also didn't want to take. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Cause like I was so ingrained in the corporate like culture that I didn't really think there was opportunity for me to do anything else. Mm. And yeah, so, uh, ultimately I turned down the job and, and then I, kind of uh started like letting go of other opportunities that I had been pursuing um other like corporate opportunities um 
And then I was like, yeah, what am I going to do? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. uh, I still had one semester left of college though. Okay. Um, so, uh, so I went back to school and, um, a couple months later, uh, COVID struck mm. and shook the earth. Yeah. You and, wait, you and Zach both went to the same college, right? No. Oh, you don't? No. So oh, Zach went to Bethel. Okay. Um, he actually, at, by this point, had dropped out of Bethel and was working active. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like that influenced, like, your direction at all? Like, seeing Zach, like, doing his own thing, and then, like, do you feel like that, like, it's like, oh, Zach's doing his own thing, like... Yeah, so it certainly did, but not for probably the reason that you're expecting. Yeah. Um, I always thought that, like, so Zach, Zach and I are very different mm -hmm. um, in some ways and very similar in others. Uh, but I always like thought of Zach as kind of like, kind of like not, not the outcast, but when you're in, like when you're in university working for a corporate job, you think of people who are like entrepreneurs or like people who drop out of college as kind of like the outcasts. Like <laughs> they're the people who like go off and either like either they're insane and like really talented and are going to make it like I thought Zach was or mm -hmm. like, or they're just lazy and, you know, are going to screw themselves over and are not going to be able to find opportunities. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I kind of thought of Zach as like, yeah, he's just like, he'll make it, but it's cause he's like, he's wired different. Like him and I yeah. are different. Like he's, he's like got this video thing. He has something he loves doing and like, he's going to chase after and he'll crush it. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, like, You're like pretty focused on your past though. Like you didn't really, yeah, no, so I wasn't, much. I wasn't, I wasn't really too concerned with what he was doing, yeah. but the reason that does become relevant is because, um, so when Zach left the agency, uh, and moved, well, he left the agency and then I think his plans were maybe to like stay in Minneapolis. Um, but he didn't really have any like clientele. Um, so we, we spent a lot of time together. We like hung out a lot together. So mm -hmm. I would like help him with like menial things oh, that he needed that. help with. I remember that you're like, you had a video project or whatever I think you're doing and like Zach helped you edit it. Well, that was actually at J and J. Yeah, <laughs> that's a funny story. Um, I put together like a J and J, uh, a little video for like a, an event that was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did it because I had a camera. I knew how to take photos, but like video certainly wasn't my specialty. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had all the equipment, so I was like, I'll do it. Like it sounds more exciting than analytics. And I like put this video together. I did not know how to edit it at all. So Zach like helped me. Um, edit it. Mm -hmm. So that happened. But then like, even after that, there was a few brands that Zach was working with and I would basically like PA with him just because like, I don't know, I thought it was interesting and like mm -hmm. fun and it was COVID and I had nothing to do. Right. Um, and then Zach decided he was going to move to Los Angeles. Um, and when he did that, I was still going to school at this time, but I was like, you know, I was basically like, well, um, he was like, he was kind of like, Hey dude, would you, would you be interested in like helping me like figure some stuff out in Los Angeles? Cause like I'm moving to Los Angeles and I think, 
realistically, he didn't have much work. He didn't really like have any, he was just like taking a leap and moving to LA because he thought that's where the opportunities were. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yeah, dude, like, I don't know, I'll do some prospecting for you. And so I would literally, um, I would literally like search on the internet for businesses that I thought that he could potentially work for, um, or that could potentially benefit from his service. So I would like surf the web. I would go through a crap ton of Instagram pages and I would just like find a bunch of clients that he could potentially work for. And then I would, um, reach out to them via his DMS. Uh, cause mind you, I don't do anything on my own social media. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would reach out to them on his DMS or like via an email or something. And I'd be like, Hey, here's an example of work. Are you interested in any services? And most people didn't reply. Um, uh, there was a number who, who did, um, a lot of them, <laughs> a lot of them, I think ended up not being great leads. Like I think some of them he ended up doing like mini projects for and like they, th you know, it's like in a saturated market, in a saturated video market in LA, like everywhere probably has their guy. So that mm -hmm. the people who don't yet have their guy are probably just people who are like looking for free work or like maybe they rubbed their last videographer the wrong way or like they don't have good connections. They have a bad reputation, this, that, or the next. And so I feel like a lot of the traffic that I was like bringing him was eh, maybe not the best, but, but regardless, like uh, it was a way for me to become exposed to like what it meant to be a freelancer or like what it meant to be an entrepreneur. Um, and so I did stuff like that and it led to some other opportunities that I was doing. Um, but like, what was the first project you did yourself? Cause at this point, like college was finished. You're, you're just like helping Zach out with some stuff. Yeah. Um, trying to think of like the first I mean we did like a number of jobs together like mm -hmm. I would shoot photos on some jobs that he was doing mm -hmm. um and stuff like that um but the first job that I did myself well I don't know how much I want to go into it there's one so first that, job. there's one that I have in mind but like um why, what what are you concerned about? Is it like... Well, you can cut it out good. if you want. Why, what do you mean? It's not it's not like bad. But essentially what had happened is um, uh, there was a company who... Um, Why would I cut it out? Well, it's a local it's a local company. Oh, just don't say the name. Yeah, I'm not going to say the name. Yeah. But like, they're going to know when they hear about it. But it's it's kind of beside the point. All, okay. Really, all, all that it was is they had hired on uh, Zach to do um, a project uh, essentially of creating a studio in Denver so that they could live stream. Cause basically mm -hmm. they, they do live courses mm -hmm. um, and, or they, they do in-person fitness courses, but then when COVID hit, they were forced to move online. I know you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and so they hired like Zach on to do, um, uh, to light this like studio in, in Denver. Um, and so now you see like 
whatever. Um, and Zach like really didn't know. Zach had a much better knowledge than I did, but like he was in LA at the time and was like, well, I can't really do this. So, mm-hmm. so he hired, uh, so he hired me on to do it or I basically just like took it over. Um, and <laughs> next thing I know, I found myself in Denver, like working on a lighting studio and realistically, dude, I had, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, I, I, I had purchased, um, well, they had purchased, but I had like picked out a selection of lights that in hindsight was maybe actually okay. Um, probably too much light for their space, but I hadn't really seen their space. So I wasn't exactly sure what it was going to need. And also I was doing it for really cheap, so I shouldn't really feel too bad about it. But nonetheless, I found myself in Denver setting up a studio and I was like, I literally got there. And I was like, okay, I have no idea what's going to happen here. And the next thing I knew, I was like in their rafters, like trying to like hang up lights with like some clamps that I bought and like didn't have a ladder. So I literally stacked up a bunch of like those fitness boxes, (laughs) not like hard boxes. Like, you know, the ones that kind of like wobble, like they're like kind of soft. And I'm like 10, like 20, probably like, I'm probably on like 10 of these boxes and they're like wobbling and I'm like hanging onto their afters like, <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to go down here, dude. This is so bad. And, and like, I'm hanging up these lights and like a bunch of, um, like diff, uh, sheets of diffusion essentially. Um, and like did this all and, um, it was, it was really wild because it was like the, it was like the first thing that I feel like I really owned on mm-hmm. my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like a, that was kind of a big moment for me because it was like the first time that I was really just like, I'm going to go for it and like, I'm just going to figure it out. And literally to, it was to the point where I was there you know, the first night until like 10 PM and they're all like, okay, like you about ready to wrap up. And I was like, Oh, you guys get out of here. Like I'll, I'll finish it up. And then like, I'll, I'll be back in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll keep working tomorrow and they would leave. And I stayed there like all night (laughs) because like, dude, I had stuff to figure out. I'm like on YouTube, Uh like trying to like figure out or like whatever it may be. I'm like trying to figure out how to make this look good. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I was there for a, for a few days and like, it ended up looking honestly pretty decent. Um, I think they're what at the end of the day they had, they used a live stream camera that I think was really bad, but I think the lighting itself looked okay. Um, especially for what I was paid to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and like it was an investment for them certainly, but partially just because like they had a bunch of lights they had to buy. Um, but so that was like the first thing that they, was that project overall, like success. Are they happy with it? Yeah. I mean, they seem pretty happy with it. Nice. Um, there was one light that was like defective. Mm. Um, it, one of like the switches or something was like broken off on it. Mm. Um, and so they had to put that one up themselves later. 
I don't know if they ever ended up putting it up or not. I know they called me at one point. I told them I would like help them, but like it wasn't going to be there for like two weeks and I had to go back to Minneapolis. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, uh, I think it, I think it, I think it looked pretty good. Um, I think originally the look they were going for was unachievable with artificial light. Um, they were trying to like replicate us, uh, a scenario that was natural light coming through windows mm-hmm. in a very open studio mm-hmm. and their studio was nothing like that. So it didn't look exactly like they had envisioned. Uh, but I really don't think that was my fault. Um, I think for them to achieve that would have required probably someone insane to like pull it off. That would probably would have charged them an arm and a leg. And mm-hmm. given the circumstances with COVID, like I don't think they could have been in a position where that would have even made sense for them. Mm-hmm. So I think it went okay. Um, but yeah, that, that was like the first thing that I kind of did on my own. And the reason that's significant is a, it was me doing something on my own. Um, B it was like the first time that I put myself in a scenario where I was like, yeah, I can do this. And then I just had to do it. And like, I had to figure it out. Um, I remember like the night before going to Denver, I was kind of like, Oh gosh, like I was like kind of nervous. Cause I wanted it to go well more than anybody. Like I wanted it to be a success more than they wanted it to be a, a success. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And so that kind of like gave me the courage to be like, you know, I can figure anything out. Like anything that somebody tasked me with doing, I'll like, I'll figure it out. And so then I had a bunch of scenarios from that time through all of 2020 and probably into like the first half of 2021 where really it was me finding opportunities through and all like, I don't know, just through anything. Um, whether it be like people or, or past people that we had worked with or people that I knew somebody like had a need for something and it may be, or it may or may not have seemed like something that I wanted to be doing, but I didn't have a job, dude. Mm -hmm. So like, I was just trying to figure it out. I was just trying to figure out where my next dollar was going to come from. Mm -hmm. And so I just started like picking up every single opportunity I could. I said yes to everything for, for a very long time. Um, and it was because of that, that I like, it forced me to keep learning. Cause like, you know, if you say, yes, I will design you a logo, like, oh, you need a logo. You have like a small business. You probably don't have a lot of money, but let's say you have like $500 and you need a logo and like some brand guidelines. Yeah, dude, I can totally help you with that. Like I'm your guy for that. Uh, but meanwhile, I went to college and studied analytics, like, <laughs> And like I said, like, this is always stuff that I was interested in, but I never really got into it. Um, and I think a, it's because I thought I was going to go with the corporate route. Um, but B because I didn't really think that being a creative was like a feasible, like path. Mm. I literally didn't think that artists could make it. I didn't think there was a place for designers. Like I thought, uh, I just thought of like designers as like graphic designers specifically mm-hmm. as like people who like are just starving artists. Yeah. And like, I, I didn't want that for, I didn't really want that to be me just because I did want 
um, like a lifestyle that I thought was conducive of like not worrying about money every week and like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think because of that, I like, that's why I, I steered toward business. That's why I wanted to be a doctor. And then I was like, okay, maybe not a doctor, but business, like there's money in business. Right. Um, and so that was like, you know, that was kind of why I never got into like the whole creative, um, like industry. Um, it was, well, it was a combination of that. And then also like, dude, I just thought I wasn't creative. Like, I didn't know how to draw. So I wasn't a creative, like, um, which is really funny because I think it took me doing some of this stuff to learn like, oh, I actually am creative and like, I can call myself a creative. Nobody's naturally, nobody knows naturally how to build a logo, mm-hmm. you know? Like some people maybe are more naturally inclined to be good at sketching. Um, but even them, like they probably didn't, you know, Divin like what's the class saying? Like Da Vinci didn't like you know just how to do X, Y, Z. Like not everything just like happens initially. Mm-hmm. Like it takes, like it takes the practice to get you somewhere. And just because you, for example, just because you can't design a cool logo doesn't mean that you can never create or design a cool logo or a practical logo or whatever it may be. It's just, you haven't acquired the skills yet to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's like a, I think that deters a lot of people from pursuing their creative ventures. Um, Like people think like, yeah, I like, I feel like I could be a good creative, but I can't do it. And then nobody gets started. Um, Mm -hmm. And there, there are certainly like early adopters are certainly like your Zach's in your world who are like, Oh dude, I I think video is cool. I'm going to pick up a camera and I'm never going to put it down. You know, there's plenty of people like that. Uh, But I think there are also a lot of people who like are creatives and they could be super talented, but they just never pick it up and pursue it. And then when you don't get started till later, like I did, like then I had a constant, like self like dilemma of I want to be doing this, but I'm not good enough. I'm not as good at it as somebody else. Like, like, Oh, I would love to. Do you think about that a lot? Like your first year into doing your own projects? Yeah, dude. I mean, that was a, that was like a constant struggle. That's, Honest, realistically, it's funny, like, that's probably part of the reason that I never share my work is because it, like, stemmed from a place of, like, early vulnerability of, like, well, I don't want to share something that I'm not super proud of. Or, like, maybe I was super proud of it, but compared to somebody else who saw it on the internet who's been a professional for 10 years, I'm like, oh, my thing sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Like... I like it, st- but I'm not proud of it. Yeah. Kind almost, of thing. Yeah. You almost have to like, I don't even like to go on like Twitter and LinkedIn because I feel like those two places, they're just people that, I mean, you naturally follow people you're interested in. And these people are also probably at a higher level than you are. So like sometimes it can be good to go on there, you know, see what other people are sharing, what they're doing. But at the same time, sometimes you can be like, oh, dang, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Yeah. You know, like I follow people that do like, Shopify conversion rate optimization and they do like their whole business around that. And I'm like, 
dang, they're like way farther than I am right now. Yeah. And there's always going to be like, people like that. Yeah. Like, and that's something that you have to realize and understand. Like, it doesn't mean you're a bad creative. It doesn't mean you're bad at CRO. It doesn't mean you're not really well versed in Shopify, but like there's people who have been doing it for way longer than you. Mm-hmm. Or like there's, all, I mean, like just because, you know, um, just because Justin Jefferson like set records for the Vikings doesn't mean that KJ Osborne isn't a good wide receiver. Bringing up the Vikings, dude. But seriously, like there's, yeah, don't even get me started with the Vikings right now. That's that's too fresh. Uh, We need a few more weeks before we can start talking about those guys again. Um, Even though I just started talking about them. But like, yeah, point being like you you never, I mean, realistically, you're probably never going to be the best at something, I guess, until you are, if... Mm -hmm that becomes you. But, um, yeah. So like, you know, that's part of the reason that I never started like sharing my work because I'm like self-conscious about it. Um, I don't consider myself a super self-conscious person in general, but like when it comes to my work, like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to share stuff that I'm not super proud of. Mm. Um, and, and then the other thing that goes along with that is like, I know that I'll do something today and I'll do another project that's similar in like three months and it's going to be way better, mm-hmm. which is something that's really exciting. Um, honestly, dude, like I did stuff in that first year. So the, in that year that I said, I, you, you know, that I told you, I just said yes to everything and found myself in like a lot of weird situations doing weird work that I wasn't realistically qualified to do, like to the point where I would somehow manage to get some project and then you know okay someone hires me to do a a logo um okay that's freaking great sweet now what and then i'm on youtube like how do i download adobe illustrator like what do you mean i just got hired to do a logo and i don't know how to use illustrator and then like and then you download illustrator and then because of this opportunity like well now you're forced to figure out how to make a logo Mm-hmm. And like, I put myself in enough situations where I was like forced to learn to do stuff that I learned how to do a lot of stuff. And so like people today will call me like a Swiss army knife, um, which is not necessarily like where I really want to be. Like I would rather be specialized in, you know, specialized and really well versed in a small amount of areas as opposed to somewhat good at a lot of stuff. But the nature of like how I picked up my freelance business is like, that's what I did. I literally just took on everything that I could. Mm -hmm. And I needed that because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't know exactly what I was good at and I didn't know how business worked. So like I did all that stuff and I learned a ton of stuff and I'm glad I did in hindsight. Um, and you know, um, but, but with that, I started to like kind of figure out what I was good at and what I enjoyed doing and where I thought I saw opportunities. Um, and then I pursued those more heavily. And that's kind of where I'm at like right now is I feel like I'm finally starting to like really like hone into like perfecting certain crafts, um, I still have my toes in too many pools. 
I'm still doing a lot of stuff partially because like, like no opportunity is really a bad opportunity. Um, everything is good for one reason or another. Um, partially because, you know, I want to like have a business that's sustainable. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like ultimately at the end of the day, I do want to hone in I, and I do want to become an expert in smaller areas. I do want to define my own style and I want to be known as the person with that style. And that's like the direction I'm headed. Um, it's just been a wine, like wound about way, roundabout way of getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. You're kind of notorious for almost not sharing any of your work, but yet you still built, have built a client base like projects you do like how has that journey been for you like almost not being like publicly known in a way but yeah you are known like people do know you and you're still like busy with work yeah yeah I'm certainly kind of off the radar (laughs) um which I certainly don't suggest doing things the way that I do them um I don't think it's like the most efficient way like you know it it is good to, to share your work um and actually something that I should certainly start doing. It's just, I've gotten this far without, without doing it. Um, and the way I've done that, uh, well, a couple things, I think though that the biggest thing is like, I've surrounded myself with people who have, um, either have businesses, um, or know people with businesses. And at the end of the day, like, I could call myself a lot of things, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, I'm a, I'm a creative, I'm a content creator. Um, I, I know more about certain things and I know know less about certain things, but like at the end of the day, I know how to create a lot of different stuff. So like I can do design, I can do photo, I can do video, I can do more specific things like email, which is, you know, actually where most of my business comes from, but I can do a lot of different things. Um, and we live in a society where like content is everything, like as cliche as it is at the end of the day, I mean, think about it. Everybody's consumed so much media today. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And with this increase of media comes an increase of people who need media for their business to perform well. Um, so I think in that I've positioned myself well in like, okay, like everybody needs something that I can do Mm -hmm. and not everybody is necessarily good at doing it. Right. Um, but you know, I've, I've surrounded myself with people who have been super good to me, um, and like offered me a ton of opportunities. Um, and so, you know, with every opportunity that comes up, I just try to like take advantage of it and do the best job possible. Like, over delivering is everything. Um, especially when you're first starting your business. I mean, it's always important, but especially when you're starting your business, like you can get hired on for a small project, but if you crush it, like they're going to come back to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've had a number of clients who I started doing a small project for, I would say actually close to all of my project have started as like a really small thing. And then, you know, you work hard on it, you give them a really great experience that like 
so much so that they're like, it's a no brainer to not go back to him. Like he did well. He communicated effectively. He was really pleasant to work for. He was, you know, grateful for the opportunity. Um, and he ultimately wanted, um, what he was providing to me to be like the best that he could do. Um, and like, if you, if you do that, people will come back to you. Right. Um, yeah. So I think it's a, you know, it's a combination of over delivering and of surrounding yourself with people who, um, are willing to give you opportunities. I'm not mm -hmm. saying, I'm not saying like, yo, go out and like exploit people for their opportunities. You know, like it does go both ways. So, um, if somebody gives me an opportunity, like if anything comes my way that they're more well-versed in, like they're the person who I think of and I'm like, yo, you, you know, here's something that I think you'd be really good at. Like, even if it's something that I can do, if they're going to be better at it, like it's going to go their way, you know? I can have someone approach me and granted this is really a, a hypothetical because it actually hasn't happened. But like if I had somebody approach me to do like, um, like a high level, like, uh, if I had a high level, like branding client approach me, I'd probably be like, yo, that's awesome. And that's a super op cool opportunity. But I know somebody who knows branding better than I do, mm -hmm. you know, I think would really crush it out for you. And then like, I'd hand that off to them. And I, and you know, I know that not necessarily because of that, but I know that what goes around comes around, you know, mm -hmm. if I give you opportunities, you're going to give me opportunities and vice versa. Um, and so I, yeah, it's a, it's a combination of those things and really just like nurturing your relationships and, uh, being really good to people. And because of that, like, I feel like I always have stuff coming my way and it's not constant. Like I have seasons that are a little bit slower. Thankfully I've, um, built a business where I have enough retainers where I know from month to month, like I'm good. Like I have my clients that I work with every single month and I don't need to worry about paying the bills. Um, and, uh, so, you know, in slow seasons, I'm good. And then there's other seasons that are freaking crazy and are super hectic and I have a lot going on and that's exciting too, because then it's like, get to work on a lot of fun stuff and you get to make more money and yeah like looking out in the next like five years or so what would you ideally like to be doing with your business that's an awesome question um i could see i could see it going one of a couple ways um obviously conquering the chase chapel name yeah, so that's the first thing. <laughs> Just become the soul Chase Chapel. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think either I could um, kind of like find a niche and really crush it out in that niche. So one example could be email marketing, something I believe in strongly because it performs well and it's realistically extremely affordable. Um, it's such an easy sell, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be, that could be one direction I could go. I could really hone in on that. And maybe that looks like, 
me as a lone pirate, like doing my thing and just like crushing it out with a bunch of people or, or maybe it looks like me bringing on other people to help me on out with it. Like we're talking five years. That is a significant amount of time mm-hmm. from now. Um, so I could see doing something like that. Um, but ultimately I think it could be really cool to, I would love to potentially launch my own brand and not like my personal brand, like launch a brand, a product, um, likely a product, although it could be services related. Um, I think that I'm in a position that I've done so much, um, especially in terms of like content creation that, that is kind of a natural bridge to me to like start taking on my own venture. And obviously when you have your own brand, like content creation is only a very small piece of the pie. Um, but like, I'm always looking forward to tackling new opportunities and like trying out new things, taking on new things, learning as I go. Like, that's why I've made it as far as I have, because I was just willing to like be on my toes and like take on anything and figure out how to do it and how to make it work and make it good. Um, and I feel like that's what a lot of owning a business is. Um, and so, yeah, I would love to just like, I would love to make something my baby and like invest everything I have in that and like really lean into it. And maybe it goes great. Maybe it doesn't. Mm -hmm. If you were to do that right now, what do you think would be? (sighs) What would my product be? Yeah. If you're, if you, if you had to launch it today. Hmm. Uh, I've had a couple ideas in mind. Um, here's one that I don't know if it exists and if somebody listens to this and steals it, I'll be relatively (laughs) bombed. Although it likely already exists. Make it cooler. Okay. So this isn't cool, but I think it's something that could be practical. And I think it's something that would be, uh, useful for a lot of people. So, um, have you ever pulled a boat behind a trailer? Yeah. Have you ever tried to like back in like 90 degree back a boat? I just know it's really tough. Like, yeah. So it is really tough um, unless like you're really good at it. So like my dad, my dad has a boat. He doesn't have it docked in any lake. He just pulls it around. He's a fisher. So he, he pulls his boat around to a bunch of different lakes, Malak, mm-hmm. you know, Malax and Leech and Red Lake. And he'll go up to Canada or he'll go fishing locally in Minnetonka. So he's like always going places and he's a wizard at backing in the trailer, but I've had to do it, um, a handful of times either with like a boat or with just like a U-Haul trailer. Um, and it's a pain. It's literally a pain in the butt. It's hard to do. A lot of people struggle. Like I struggle with it. I struggle with it. A lot of people struggle far worse than I do, especially like narrow spaces feels impossible. Um, And then, uh, in a similar fashion, you know how like cars, when you back up, you turn the wheel and it'll have like a little, you know, most cars nowadays, not all cars, actually not my car, but most cars have like your LCD screen. Right. Mm -hmm. And you look at your LCD screen and you're like, okay, so if I turn the wheel to the right, then the car is going to go like this. Right. If I turn to the wheel left, you know, and like, if I turn it a little bit to the right, it's going to go a little bit this way. And if I turn a little right, correct. Mm -hmm. So 
if I was launching a brand today, I would like to figure out how I can make like an external camera go on the back of a trailer. Um, and then me sitting in the driver's seat, I would, if I turn the wheel, I'm not sure how this would all integrate slash. I'm not sure if it's possible slash. I'm not sure if it exists, but if I turn the wheel to the right, then I know that the trailer is going to go here Mm. and it's going to show me on a little screen, whether it be connected to your car or whether it be connected to like an app on your phone or whatever it may be, it'll show you where the trailer is going to go based off of like how you're turning the wheel. Mm -hmm. And that way you can like easily back in and out of a trailer and it could go on boats Mm -hmm. or it could go on U-Hauls or it could go on any kind of trailer. Um, but it's something to me that feels like such a no brainer, like technology is so insane today. There are a lot of people who back in a lot of trailers or their places like U-Haul or like a million other places that own trailers and rent them out. Like it would be so, it would be an easy, either a small upcharge, like, Oh, don't know how to back in a trailer. Like want to see what's behind your trailer, like attach this little camera and pay four dollars okay that's not a lot might cost it, a little bit more than that but well i'm i'm saying like for somewhere like u-haul yeah they could literally charge it as like an, an add-on yeah. like pay four dollars a lot of people would be willing to pay four dollars if they know they have the comfort of like feeling like they're going to be able to for back sure. their trailer and you know mm-hmm. um and so that like that's an idea that i thought of the other day um and i'm like I don't know how it, I don't know how it would like happen. I don't know if it's possible, but that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the fun would be like just chatting with somebody and chatting with a, a bunch of people and figuring out how to make it work, figure out whether or not it's possible. And then if it is, then it opens up a whole can of worms. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be like a stretch, a stretch project. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not something like you're not creating t-shirts or something that like is not easy to do, but like at the end of the day, there's probably a lot of resources on how to do it. Right. Mm -hmm, For sure. Um, and it's already been done in some form, but it's just not for like trailers. Yeah. And maybe it is for trailers. I don't know. Yeah. It's a good idea though. Um, but yeah, that's just like one thing. And I have, like I said, I have a bunch of ideas, um, that I think about all the time. Mm hmm. Yeah. You've had some near death experiences. Um, Feel free to share one of them if you want. But like, what has that taught you about life? Oh, man. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a few. Uh, I don't really consider them near death experiences, honestly. <laughs> I Devin's feel like, like Devin's like, ask Chase if I was a near death experience. Yeah, I feel like uh, Devin's maybe stretching that out <laughs> a little bit. But like, yeah, I have had times. I had um, a, a traumatic brain injury um, that, like, realistically, could have been a lot worse than it ended up being. Um, basically, I was going down a hill when I was in high school um, on a skateboard, and they had. Uh, they had dug down in the street like a little thing because they were putting in a speed bump at the bottom of the hill. And this is a hill I've, I had gone down a million times that summer. Um, and I had gone down it with the speed bump 
uh, before they repaved and I had gone down it without the speed bump after they had repaved, but I had never gone down it with a huge, like, you know, couple inch deep cut out in the street, mm-hmm. you know, cause mm-hmm. that's what they do when they put in a speed bump, they cut down a little bit and then they like lay the speed bump in there so that it doesn't, I think so it doesn't like slide mm-hmm. or move. Um, I went down the hill and I was like cruising and I don't remember this because I had traumatic brain injury moments after this happened, but I hit it and I flew and I like slammed my head. Um, and I had bleeding on my brain in a number of areas and, um, a lot of, you know, shattered part, part of my skull and like had a, had a lot of stuff going on with the tendons, my neck. And it was, it was a nightmare. I spent a decent amount of time in the hospital and, uh, um, yeah, basically, uh, it could have been a lot worse. And, um, that's something that like, even my doctor said, like, dude, you got really lucky because you weren't wearing a helmet and you destroyed your head. Um, so that's kind of the, the abbreviated story. Um, I've had that, I've had a couple other, uh, the Island one fun stories. Good. Yeah. Then Island, uh, without going too deep into it for, for sake of time, I was in Australia. Uh, we went from Sydney to Brisbane, took a like six hour bus from Brisbane up to a place called Hervey Bay. Then we took, a um, a, uh, ferry from Hervey Bay to uh, Fraser Island, which is this island that's like completely sand. There's essentially like no establish, or at least very few establishments on this island. There's certainly certainly no like uh, pharmacies, which is an issue because I'm a type one diabetic and I forgot my insulin. Um, so that was. That was realistically, I, I, that's a story I won't even tell my mother. Um, <laughs> cause I don't want to like give her a heart attack. She already worries about me enough. I don't need to, uh, yep. give her one more thing to worry about. But yeah, I forgot my insulin and, uh, figuring out how to stay at a manageable blood, lo- uh, blood sugar level for the duration of a multi-day island trip without insulin, which like. For those of you who don't know, essentially, uh, as a diabetic, you have to, um, whenever you eat carbs, your blood sugar rises. Okay. So then you take insulin to bring it back down to a normal level. Well, even if you don't eat carbs, your blood sugar naturally rises. Um, but there are things that many diabetics, myself included, and I say many diabetics because I think it varies person to person, but there's like certain things you can do to keep your blood sugar regulated. Um, One of those being uh, drinking a lot of water, um, doing a lot of like endurance exercise um, and some other stuff as well. But uh, yeah, so I had to go days without eating any carbs and I was drinking an asinine amount of water and I was walking the beach with a a dingo ridden beach, um, which is basically just like medium sized dogs that apparently are not 
scared of humans and will attack humans. Mm. And for that reason, like you're not supposed to walk the beach at night and you're supposed to carry a tour. Well, I had to watch walk like dingo infested beaches with a huge backpack. It was nightmare, Mm. nightmare of a trip. Um, yeah. So I've had, I've had a couple experiences. Um, again, I don't necessarily call them near death, but, uh, they're getting there, but Devin certainly thinks like it's, it probably also has something to do with like, I gave a pretty like mellow description of each of those stories. Um, I, when I told Devin those, I was probably a little bit more animated and also like (laughs) just more, uh, um, I don't know if I'd say like realistic, but like there was some legitimate concerns at some points. Mm -hmm. Um, but regardless, uh, yeah, I've had, I've had some stuff happen. Um, how has it changed my outlook about life? Um, good, good question. Um, I, I honestly don't think, well, oh man, I don't know. I think there are like, I, I have a few, um, different outlooks on them. The first being is like, as a Christian, like sometimes I think there's like God moments where I'm like, man, I don't know how I got through this. Like that was a blessing. Like, so there's that. Um, I can't necessarily take the approach of like, I'm not going to tell you like, man, life could end at any point. So like make the most of every day. Cause that's realistically like not really how I think about those things. Um, but what I will say about those experiences are like, man, life is short. So like, take advantage of every opportunity that you have. And like, you can get through just about anything. And like, I think it's realizing at moments like that when like, I mean, not having insulin as a diabetic for a number of days is legitimately concerned for your life so in turn like small things like getting rejected by a client or like doing a project that doesn't go super well like dude sack up (laughs) you know like there are worse way worse things that could happen Mm -hmm. um and so sometimes i think it just it just takes like a little bit of courage to just like step out put yourself out of your comfort zone, try some stuff. Um, you can realistically get through like anything. So like, just get after it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that applies for everything. Like it, it could apply to your business or maybe it applies to, uh, like a dream that you have. Like maybe you want to go skydiving. Maybe you want to get like skydive certified. Maybe you want to learn how to do a backflip, but all these things you're like, Oh, I don't know. I could get hurt. Like, do I really want to try training for a marathon? Like what if it doesn't go well? What if I hate it? And not a great example. Cause I've never trained for a marathon. I actually never really intend on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, if that's something you want to do, like go for it, send it. Um, you can basically make it through anything that you like tell yourself you can make it through. Like you got to have that David Gawkins energy, you know, (laughs) like, uh, what is his saying? He's got a few sayings. Stay Uh, hard. Yeah. Stay hard. Stay hard. I don't know. Who's going to roll the boats? Who's going to roll the boats? (laughs) Yeah. But like, um, yeah, just get after it, get after the life you want and anything's really possible. If you're just willing to like 
similar to what you did. You just accepted whatever challenges, projects came your way and you just figured it out. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Like you, we realistically have nothing to lose. Um, and like, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, to wrap up the podcast, I know you're probably late to a spy house. Now they're probably wondering where you're at today. Yeah, if you if you're wondering where you can find me, you can uh, follow me on Instagram. Although I'll never accept your request, or you can find me at Spy House in Northeast because I'm there. Yep. All too often. Uh, uh, yeah. What would be your last piece of advice to your younger self? Um, I think I would say, uh, just enjoy the journey. You know, like I said, through everything I've done, um, not everything has has been like perfect. Not everything has gone as planned. Like, yeah, I went to university for four years to pursue a job that I then found out that I don't think was for me. Um, But everything is like a necessary next step. And everything leads to the next. So just like soak it up enjoy what you're doing as you're doing it. Um, make the most of it. And then, you know, just always be forward facing. Don't get knocked down too hard. Like when you do get knocked down, like dust off, you know, shake off the dirt, um, shake the dust and, uh, you know, smile and <laughs> just got a whole chase, got a whole list for his younger self. Smile and carry on. <laughs> Follow these rules. Yeah. Sweet, dude. All right, bro. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for but, letting me ramble. Yeah, dude. I'll have to do one again soon. Yes, sir. We uh, have plenty we can talk about. <laughs>